Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. It's Sunday evening, and welcome to Blog Talk Radio. Your hosts for tonight's show are Robert Brining and Jeremy Dunn. They'll be taking your calls and speaking on the topic of the week. You're encouraged to call in and share some of your life experiences with us. The number to call is 347-215-9442. That number again, 347-215-9442. Welcome to Pause I Am Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Pause I Am Radio. I'm your host, Robert Brining, this evening, joined by the fabulous Jeremy Dunn. Jeremy, how's it hanging down in North Carolina? (laughs) um, It's a little low, and it's actually um, long and to the left today. (laughs) I left myself open for that one. But how you doing, man? Yes, you did. I'm doing great, doing great. Just got back in from um, Wilmington, Um, went to a wonderful wedding for um, some very dear friends of ours. And I just want to give them a quick shout-out. Um, I'm not sure if they're listening or if they're driving to Washington, D.C. at the moment. But uh, congratulations to uh, Joanna and Harold, Mr. and Mrs. Whitaker. So uh, it was a great wedding, um, great reception in a fabulous location. Wilmington is just a fantastic place. Now, and, you uh, are Wil- Wilmington. Is that in North Carolina? Because you're not talking about Wilmington, Delaware, right? No, 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 I'm talking about Wilmington, North Carolina. Okay, because you said fabulous, and I was like, he ain't talking about Wilmington, Delaware. <laughs> no offense <laughs> to Wilmington, I just, I lived in, I lived in Newark, so I know that, you know, for me, that area is just not my favorite. But no offense to people who live there. <laughs> yeah, so no offense to anybody in Delaware. So sorry. No, Wilmington is right on the coast, and uh, we were probably 10 minutes from Wrightsville Beach, so it was, it was fantastic. Um, stuck my feet in the water. We ran. We saw some dolphins. It was great. Had a great time. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I, I had a great time. Too much cool. fun. Another and, thing that I wanted yeah. to talk about. I'm sorry. Oh. We, you, I don't think we've talked about this on the show, and I don't know if you, you know, made an official announcement, but I saw that it, um, you're doing something with our friend Daniel. Um, so, uh, I don't know if we've talked about it on air or not. Oh, yeah. I am doing Daniel Bauer, what you're doing. Daniel Bauer, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I I can take a couple seconds and talk about that, sure. So, so Daniel Bauer, um, we've talked about him doing, uh, in Dallas, he did a uh, really terrific show called uh, Beyond Belief. And, well, as it so happens, June 23rd and 24th, I think it is, um, Daniel's going to be opening the show in New York. And so it's, it's a big deal. Um, and Daniel has asked yours truly to, um, to, uh, to work with him in, in the show. And, and I am just honored and humbled to have been asked, and I'm honored and humbled to do, to do it again with him. And you know, I had such a good time in Dallas. I'm looking forward to, it, to doing it in, in June in New York. And, uh, and I still have to convince him that it's okay for me to wear a sparkly little, you know, maybe a... Um, I don't know, maybe maybe a, a, a rhinestone studded cod piece over my, you know, you know something. Yeah, <laughs> I want to I well, be a little sparkly. If if I'm going to be his fabulous magician's assistant, I got to have something to sparkle. Well, maybe you, know, you can get like a, a sequin tie. A sequin tie, yeah, that could work. That could work. <laughs> like a little bow tie or something. <laughs> my little sequin bow tie, yes, yeah. I'll, well, I'll congratulations what... on doing that with Daniel. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. I, I, I'm looking forward to it. And, uh, and again, I'm there to support Daniel, and, um, and it's his, it really is his story. Really, and I know this is going to sound like a commercial, but it's not. His story really is truly beyond belief. It really is. He, I mean, it's, a, it's an amazing roller coaster of a ride, an uh, a, a, a emotional ride, and his uh, magic is pretty fun to watch, too. And it's, it's, 
it is mind-blowing, especially when he's doing it so close to folks and, and you're looking at it going, my God, how did you do that? I still don't know how he does it. He kept me in the dark the entire time, so I, I don't have any secrets for you. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I saw it, you know, for the first time in Dallas, too, and I thought it was beyond belief. Um, <laughs> it, was it, was, it, was, it was absolutely amazing. And, like, it's, when, when it's coming out in June in New York, it's kind of right? Is that when the debut is in New York in June? Yep, in June, June 23rd and 24th. So as it comes closer, we'll obviously talk about it more. We're going to be plugging it a lot. So you go out yes. there and see it if you're in the New York area. Because yes. it is absolutely beyond belief. You know <laughs> what, I, 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 I got to say something. You know, you know, I, we get these little side projects that come up like this. I'm beginning to feel like Regis and Kathy Lee or Regis and Kelly. Right. You know, because they have their yeah. show and then they do these little side projects. You know <laughs> You know, thank, thank God we don't have children, otherwise we'd be talking about them for half, you know, for ten minutes, you know, or, or we don't have a producer, Gilman, you know, right. Gilman, Gilman, whatever funny. his name is. But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, no, no, it's I, I'm looking forward to uh, stepping out onto a New York stage again. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I think it'll be uh it'll be exciting, and if I can make it up there, me and Joe, we're going to try to come up and. And check it out. Um, so yeah, you got it. Hopefully, you got that'll, it. Be, yeah, hopefully that'll work out for us. If not, you know, we'll, I'm sure we'll see the show eventually. Um, yeah, I'm sure two, we'll find a way to bring it to Philly. Yeah, there's three shows, one on Friday night and then two on Saturday. So, so there's plenty of time to get out there and take a look at it. Yeah, so um, we'll definitely um, give you uh, more information for that as it gets closer. So as we get I look closer. forward to that. Uh, one of the other things I wanted to mention is for those of you who are, uh, are, you know, a regular listener, you know that we have a social network, um, a part of this radio show called Pause IM, and we just relaunched and basically upgraded our mobile site. So if you want to go and check that out and you're a member of Pause IM, uh, you want to go to www.community.pauseim.m, the letter M. And um, you go there and you'll be able to view it. You can now update your status. And it's really more integrated and a little bit more user-friendly than the other one was before. And we're adding more stuff to it. So soon, hopefully, we're going to be able to add the chat and other things. So you can check that out. That's one thing I did want to mention so um, does it, for people to do. Does it work on iPhones and iPads? Yes, it does. It does work on iPhones and iPads. Yay. So I'm actually, I, I've been using it a lot, and if you remember the site, there's an email address that you can get within your settings, and then you plug that into your text message into a contact, right? And then I can just send photos to that email address, and it gets uploaded on the site, which is pretty oh, cool because yeah, we weren't able to do that before. So, um, right. yeah, so that's exciting. I'm really excited about that because it needed an, up, it needed an update. <laughs> that's great. That's great. That's exciting. And let's see, another thing. What else do we want to talk about? Um, next week, um, we will be uh, speaking with Marvelyn Brown. So Fantastic. I'm excited to, to have her come back on because we haven't spoken to her. And if you missed, we did a special show. Um, some of you may not have caught it because it's not on a regular day. This Friday, we did a special show. Um, we spoke with Jamar Rogers from The Voice, and he came on and talked about what it was like being eliminated because he was eliminated last Tuesday. And, <sighs> you know, so he came on to, you know, tell us what it was like and what he proceeds to do, you know, going forward. And he has great spirits, and he's an awesome guy, and I'm sure you're going to read about him in all the magazines and online everywhere with his activism and, and his amazing talent voice. I mean, music is just awesome. Well, I, he's he's just not only oh, you is he a great singer, he's, he's a doll. He's just a doll. He's so nice. Yeah. Yeah. And and I have a feeling that this is not going to be the last time we hear from him. Oh no, not at all. You know, he's. I think he's he's got he's definitely got something. Um, I have the feeling in my in my deep down in my bones that he's he's going to like have a record deal soon. So let's well, let's I mean, make sure that happens. Be, I'm sure. Yeah, he's going to be bigger than whoever wins this voice anyway. I mean, it's just the reality of it. I can. His, he has a name for for a star, Jamar Rogers. Come on, it just. Yeah, I know. He's got a star's name. He's, I mean, he is a star. Exactly. Ooh, and, and, and when he does become really big and goes on the road, it could be Goofies. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll wear I Love Jamar t-shirts and the whole nine yards. It'll be awesome. 
Yeah, it was really cool. We got a lot of uh, people listening, you know, who were uh, fans of them online from Twitter and stuff like that. So I really appreciate them all tuning in and, and giving love to Jamar because it was, it was really cool that he was able to spend time. And the cool part about it was he did the interview with us on Friday and then they showed his um, Ellen episode on Friday afternoon at 3, right after the show. So that was kind of cool. That, that rocks. That just rocks. So who do we have on tonight? Tonight, I think it's, uh, we, it's we someone who's who equally as adorable, right? Yes, absolutely. We met, um, we met actually Robert face-to-face at the Positive Living Conference this year. That's right. And what Which a great guy. absolute pleasure. Yeah. He, he is amazing. When is he coming on? Is he coming on in just a few minutes? Yeah, he'll be uh, joining us shortly. Um, oh, okay. I don't see him on there yet. So. Yes. Cool, cool. Um, but he's going to come on and he's going to talk about um, HIV criminalization and, um, you know, what it was like for him to have to deal with that and, and still possibly deal with that as, you know, today. So, um, actually, he is on the line, so please help me welcome Robert Suttle to the show. Welcome, Robert. Hi. Hey, how are you, man? I am well. How are you guys? We're doing equally as well, Robert. I missed you. Well, how are you? Hi. I'm well. How are you, How are you doing, Jerry? I'm, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. What well, are you good. wearing? I am wearing a black um, <laughs> polo shirt and man, some brown um, driving moccasins on or whatever they're called. Nice. Courtesy of Banana Republic, which is one of my favorite stores. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Yay. Okay. <laughs> Now that we got that out of the way. Yeah. Are you and getting some feedback from Robert? Jeremy? All that stuff. I'm uh, sorry? What? Jeremy, are you getting some feedback from Robert? It sounds like you have an echo. I am not. Oh, okay. Maybe it's just me then. I, th- I think it is. A lot of it is just you, Robert. So, Robert, how, you, how is everything going? Oh, wait, wait, stop, stop, stop. Hold on, hold on. I, I have to, because there are two Roberts on the line. Um, Robert? Brining, I'm going to call you Bobby B. Okay. <laughs> okay. And, and, and we can just call him Robert. And him Robert. That way, because it will be confusing for me, who's not a Robert. <laughs> so, so we have yeah, Bobby B and Robert Suttle. All right. We Got have it. the same name, yeah, so that couldn't be confusing. Yes, it can be very confusing. So, especially when it's me saying, so, Robert, tell us about, yeah. So, so Bobby yeah. B and Robert, now, now we're, we are covered and we can go and see. Let's go. Let's do it. So, Robert, tell us, um, start us off with um, when you were diagnosed. What made you go get tested? What was that? What was your situation like when that happened? Okay. Um, back in 2003, I was um, dating someone for, uh, for a few months uh, at the time when I did find out about my status. Um, I will be, it was the fall of 2003, and I was, we were graduating um, in December, and it was October when I went to enlist into the Air Force um, to seek a career uh, you know, after graduating from college, and it was there as I was enlisting when I found out about my status. So if it wasn't for that um, experience of enlisting, I, I'm not sure how I would have found out because I've always been healthy uh, up to that time and never been hospitalized. So, um, you know, I, I didn't feel like I had anything to be concerned about concerning my health. I see. So when, when the doctor told you, what were, what were the thoughts that you had? Um, I I remember just kind of being numb, just, you know, um, in this zone, because this was something that I did not expect to happen, did not see it. Um, HIV AIDS was not something that was in my, in my life or in my world at that time, even though it's been around for, you know, uh, you know at that time, at least 20-plus years. Um, but even then, I didn't really know anything about it. I never knew anyone that had HIV so I, 
But, so I just kind of zoned out because I, I wasn't aware of HIV, and then for me to have something that I'm totally not aware of, I just kind of was numb about it. Yeah. I see. Um, so you were numb. Did you immediately tell anybody, or was it something that you kept to yourself? Um, well, once I found out, once the doctor uh, assured me that I could go on and live a, a, a healthy life, um, I remember calling the guy that I was dating at that time and informing him about it. And um, and I think just from that 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 day, I just kind of was in a state of shock. Uh, I remember having a few close friends uh, around and. Uh, which was maybe like two people that I recall that I did share at that moment. Um, and so I think from that day forward, I just kind of had a lot on my mind, you know, wondering, like, how am I going to manage this? What am I going to do? What is the rest of my life going to be like? Because you see, I was graduating in a few months from that time of founding out. So, I mean, this was definitely not in my plan as far as my future at that time. And I'm sure and you did. I, go ahead. I was I was going to say, and I'm sure you did the usual. Did you run home and immediately get on the internet and start researching this since it wasn't something that you were familiar with? No, no, I'm familiar with it at all. So, you know, from the time of being diagnosed, you know, begin the time of me, you know, taking some time to learn about what it is that I had just been told that I had. So, uh, but prior to that, I had really no knowledge. Uh, you know, of HIV AIDS. Right. Um, and, of course, I went on to graduate from college um, that December. Um, you know, I, I decided that I was going to live, and whatever that meant to live, you know, I was going to do it. So if it meant taking medications or whatever, then I would do that. And I remember going to the viral disease clinic, and, you know, they, um, you know, counseling me and, and just giving me everything I needed to know in terms of how to take care of myself. And um, so I just went with that and just, you know, took one day at a time and and just moved forward. Because, I mean, I had plans, you know, for my life. And so I wanted to definitely see those through if, as they assured me that I could go on and live a healthy life. So um, I just took that and ran with it. Wow. So... So um, you, you find out you're HIV positive. You know you're going to live. Mm-hmm. You're, you're going to get yeah. out there and, and, and live, 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 just like Auntie Mae says. And so what was it like telling your parents and your family? Well, I really didn't tell my family. Um, I didn't tell them anything at that time. I mean, I, I felt like I needed to figured this out myself, and again, I had always been a responsible person, you know, um, grew up being taught personal responsibility at a young age, and so I I did hide it from my family. I did not disclose to them um, right away, um, I think because I wanted to understand what was going on with me, and because um, I didn't know a lot about it, and I knew that, uh, um, you know, because I was gay, you know, my I wasn't even about about my my um sexuality either. So you know, those things were always kept private. Um, oh so so you had a double whammy here. You were you were you know in the huh? closet for, for being you were in the closet for being gay and you were in the closet for being HIV positive. That's a lot right. of stress on on somebody you yeah, even at that time, I wasn't even comfortable with my sexuality. I hadn't wow. come to, to terms with it. So all this new stuff happening all at once, you know, graduating, I'm, I'm gay, but I'm not out, and then here it is now, I'm HIV positive. Like, you know, you know what's going on? I mean, this is before I'm 25 even. So, um, you know, it's just so a, how, lot, a lot. So how did you handle all of that? I mean, that to me, quite honestly, well, I think graduation. Putting... You know, know, hiding your... Go ahead, I'm sorry. Oh, just putting things in perspective in terms of, you know, what was the priority, and I knew I had to keep going. I could not let on that something was going wrong with me, you know, um, 
I could not allow this to shake me to the point where I, like, lose focus, lose control of what my – well, so, I mean, I'm graduating from college. i got to get out there and make a living for myself. So I could not allow this virus to change anything. And as far as my sexuality, I mean, again, keeping – you know, never uh, – uh, showing that there's anything wrong, because I've always been responsible. My, my folks know that about me, and I'm not saying that I rarely made mistakes, but I've always been responsible. So whatever was going on, I could handle it, and and I did. Um, shortly thereafter, I ended up moving to Florida to find opportunity in terms of career. However, at the same time, I had to deal with my status as well. So the time that I moved to Florida was pretty much a, a very dark period in my life, uh, of course, being, uh, you know, hundreds of miles away from home and with this secret, you know, but yet uh, not, not knowing how to deal with it. Uh, I had to seek counseling when I was in Florida, um, but there were people there to help me, you know, along the way, and I remember feeling lonely and um, just felt like I was just in a very dark place. And... Um, but again, I decided to that I wanted to live. And uh, one day, I just remember praying and um, just asking God to give me strength to get through. And um, and I did. And I remember I went out. Um, and from that day on, I I have been going forward ever since. So I dealt with my finding out about my status, you know, in another place, in another state, away from family, away from friends around strangers who were there to help and guide me, you know, through that uh, initial stage of finding out. Sorry. Go ahead. ahead. Bobby? Yeah, Jeremy. I wasn't saying anything. Oh, no. You know, I, I honestly think it's Skype. I think there's a bit of a delay between all of us. Um, so it's our technical issue. We'll have to get over it. You know, it's our issue. But so how old are you now, Robert? I am 33. And okay. I think I was 23 when I found out. So almost 10 years. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So I'm, I'm assuming that you have a good support network around you today. Um, well, yeah, I, I think so today, yes. Uh, I mean, through the years, I mean, it's been pretty tough, you know, coming from being just me finding out and knowing and sharing with the few friends that I did have and, and up to this point now and with, you know, closure of, you know, going through the experience of, you know, being criminalized and, you know, everything coming out in the open. Now I feel more liberated. And um, and as, as a result, yes, I have gained quite a great support um, from friends and, and some families, yeah. Great. Well, you know, one of the, um, the the big reasons we want you to come on is because we know you're heavily involved with um, HIV criminalization and putting an end to it and the, the crazy laws and fighting it. You were a victim of it. Um, can you share a little bit about that experience with us in the audience? Yes, yes. Um, well, of course, I, you know, after being diagnosed and, and fast forwarding five years, which now is, you know, 2008, um, at the end of 2007, I was out uh, with some friends for a New Year's Eve, uh, you know, outing, and I met someone through those mutual friends that I did not know very well, um, and we ended up going, you know, to his place uh, because it was late at night after um, being out and about. Um, and we ended up having sex that night. And um, and we continued to have a relationship uh, very shortly. Uh, uh, I say it was a contentious relationship, so we really didn't know each other very well and we didn't quite get along that well either, but um, I think the only thing in common was that, you know, it's our relationship was somewhat sexual. And, uh, and after we broke up, um, you know, he pressed charges against me because he 
later discovered that I was HIV positive. And so, um, which was not a good time to bring that up, considering that we were not, we had just broken up. Um, and so that was, I would say, his way of getting me for, you know, for us ending our relationship. Um, that story is very sort of complex, complicated because there was a third party involved as how this all unfolded or how it happened. Um, so I, you know, to not confuse things, I, I, I um, you know, I can only share so much with that because that there's things about that situation that, uh, you know, have not come you know, have not really been talked about very much. So to kind of keep things, to protect them, I guess, in a way, because in some way I feel sort of embarrassed by some of the things that were said and done. But, um, and, and that's okay. That's what, we can talk about whatever you're comfortable with. We're not going to, you know, pry. But that's the gist of my, my situation that I was involved with someone and we broke up and um, they pressed charges against me. And, at that time, I was actually working in the legal field, um, which ironically I've never imagined I would be find myself on the other side of the law, um, you know, being criminalized. So um, now with that, so 2003, I'm diagnosed. 2008, I am facing charges for failure to disclose my status, where the charge in the state of Louisiana is called the intentional exposure to the AIDS virus. And can you repeat that one more time? I'm sorry, I I, I missed the, the the first part of a. It was it a, a potential exposure or intentional exposure? In, intentional. Exposure. Intentional. Okay. Yes. So. So when that happened, um, you know, obviously, you know, it wasn't your intention. Tell us um, basically how did how did so far how has it panned out? Uh, I know because recently you know you shared your story in the documentary, which is how I I, uh, first heard of you know your situation. Uh, The HIV is not a crime. So you want to tell us a little bit about how you kind of got involved with that? Well, um, as a result, I was sentenced to two years uh, probation. Shortly thereafter, I learned that I had to register as a sex offender in the state of Louisiana because they considered it a sex crime. And it was uh, a complicated situation with that as well because they weren't sure whether or not I had to register. And so I ended up going to court a lot longer, you know, until they finally decided, oh, yeah, you do have to register. And, oh, by the way, you'll have to do at least, you know, some time in prison. And as a result, I was uh, ordered to do six months in prison. 180 so, days straight. So, so, um, so as a result of that, I ended up going to prison and um, did the 180 days. And shortly thereafter, I um, knew I needed a new life plan because I felt like my life was over. Here I was with a degree. Here I was, you know, uh, on the start of a career, you know, as a legal professional. And now all that's over because no one hires convicted felons you know, sex offenders to work, you know, in their offices, no matter what your credentials are. Um, and so I knew I needed to do something. I didn't know what that something was. And, you know, there's a saying that says your your misery is your ministry. And so by being prosecuted and being HIV positive, these things were bringing me such misery in my life. And so it, it was just like the answer was right in front of me, you know, advocacy, get involved, you know, about this issue because it's, it's just not right, you know, to be prosecuted because of the disease that you have. And so when I got out, I immediately got online, did some research, trying to define what it is that what was happening to me or what had happened to me, and um, found out about HIV criminalization through the um, – Positive Justice Project, and I ran across Sean Street's name and number, and I immediately contacted him um, and talked to him about my wanting to get involved, you know, with this issue, whatever that was. Then I didn't know what, you know, what it would take to be involved. I just knew I wanted to be involved. 
and I was going to devote my life to it because I didn't see any other plan for my life. Because here I am, black, gay, convicted felon, sex offender. You know, what else? What other label do I need to wear? And where am I going to find a job? How am I going to live? How am I going to move forward? Because although they take you through all these changes, they don't give you any resources that help you get back on your feet. You know, um, and the way the laws are going now, you can't even, like, turn left or right. You know, it's like ball and chains. Like, they want you to be a sex offender. They want you to remain a convicted felon. There is nothing to release these things from, you know, holding you back in your life. So see what was the answer for me. Uh, so t- tell us a little bit about and, and there's, I, I think there are some other repercussions when you are a convicted felon. And I think one of them is your voting. Um, yes, that is one. Yep. So so what are the others? The, uh, the other things that when you have been convicted, you know, that you can't do anymore as as a citizen? Well, once you're disenfranchised, you know, one goal for me was to get back everything that I had lost. And so when I got out and um, whatever time span needed to pass, I, I went back and got, became a registered voter. Um, I, I was determined to get back whatever it is that I lost. And so I am a registered voter um, in the state of Louisiana. Uh, and as a result of being a sex offender, uh, you know, uh, housing is a restrict. You know, there's restrictions on housing. You know, you can't get public assistance, or um, you know, that sex offender they label you all together with child molesters or rapists. So, you know, if someone sees you as a sex offender, they don't know. We're not classified differently. We're all thrown together, you know, on the registry, and so that limits kind of where you can live in terms of schools and parks and and everything, and when you're registering, you have to have community notifications. You know, your your face goes in the paper. Uh, in the state of Louisiana, I was required to have the word sex offender on my driver's license. And so, um, you know, there are some hardships there. Uh, you know, having to put out your license in public, uh, um, you know, uh, in terms of finding a job, I mean, if you're on the registry, it's your employer. So what employer wants to list a sex offender on their, you know, or have their name on their sex offender registry? Um, so there there are some hardships. Uh, but sex offenders have to live. If they're human, they have to live in this country. And I think that those laws need to be reformed uh, because how do you expect these people to live? You can't kill them, and you can't keep them in prison because prisons are overcrowding. And so, you know, our justice system definitely needs a, a total overhaul. Um, wow. So tell us a little. I'm sorry. Uh, tell us a little bit about um, the documentary that you're working on with Sean, or that you were involved with with Sean. Yes, the documentary HIV is not a crime. Um, it debuted on World AIDS Day um, last year in December, December first, and um, it is a documentary that tells the story of it tells my story and it also shares the stories of Malik and Nick Rhodes. Um, you know, we're three people that live in three different parts of the country. Um, you know, from different backgrounds. Um, sharing, you know, our our story or our experience. Um, I think it's a, a great way, a great tool, because it shows three different people. You know, it's not just any particular type of person or class of people or whatever. Um, Nick's from Iowa. I'm from Louisiana. Malik is from, you know, South Carolina. So um, I just love it because it tells a story in different perspectives. And so people who you know, can identify with at least somebody there. And we're also, we've also introduced and interviewed other people as well. And so um, soon you'll see and hear their stories as well. Um, you know, some people with great backgrounds, you know, that have great jobs and careers, and they seem to have lost everything or their lives have been changed simply because they're HIV 
positive and they got caught up in a situation with someone that has, you know, went press charges against them, and now their lives have changed. You know, um, I mean, we're not talking about career criminals here. We're talking about ordinary people who just happen to be HIV positive. You know, it can happen to any of us, any of us, and and that's why it's so very important that people living with HIV AIDS please, you know, take heed to this because this could be you. It could be you. And if you're not strong enough to deal with just being HIV positive, then, I mean, being prosecuted, you're not going to last. You're not going to stand. So you've got to find out and educate yourself about the laws in your state and learn about this issue so that you or someone else that you know will not have to go through this. So, so um uh, just a quick question, Robert. Uh, what do you think are the challenges that people face in overturning these laws and getting legislature le- legislature to to hear us out? What what's some of the challenges that you might have come across? Well, some of the challenges is one stigma. We all know that, you know, um, and I'm still learning about the HIV/AIDS. Um, epidemic myself in terms of how it has affected our country, the history of it, and what people's perceptions of it. So stigma definitely is one. You know, people are so fearful of HIV-AIDS. You know, it's insane. It's insane. And so as a result of that, you know, they're reluctant to want to change laws or reluctant to want to change policies, you know, around this because, you know, one thinks that, oh, you're going to kill someone or you're attempting to kill someone, someone's going to die or, you know, uh, so definitely the stigma and just the reluctancy of wanting to change laws, you know, and because they feel like a person that's infected and that's going around having sex with other people are really harming, we're harming society. We're trying to infect society, and they're not looking at the science. They're just going based on fear and ignorance. And I think another people don't want to talk about it. They don't want to talk about it. And and I I I, you know what I agree. And um, well, the part I love about the documentary that you know you were involved with is that it humanizes HIV criminalization because if you're a normal person who isn't involved maybe um, or doesn't know somebody who's living with HIV or involved in activism, you don't, you're really not educated on it, so you rely on the media. And if you rely on the media, they demonize people living with HIV, and they make this seem like yeah. you said, like we're these big monsters trying to infect people. And I think that's what makes this, this documentary amazing is that it humanizes it and it puts a face to it and lets you see who is really affecting these, these laws that need to be changed. And if you haven't seen the video, we want you to go to YouTube or Google and type in HIV is not a crime. It'll come up. You can, you know, check it out. It's definitely something that humanizes it, and I think that's the most important part about it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, um... Wow. So, I mean... uh, go ahead, Jeremy. No, no, go ahead. Bobby B. I was going to say, I don't know how Bobby B. So I was going to say, you um, are now, you know, involved with trying to help change these laws. What are you doing now? Because you're involved um, with the Positive Justice Project, right? That's the name, correct? Yeah, I'm, I'm a part of the working group. I mean, that's the group that I started with uh, to learn more about, you know, the issue and just to see what their progress was, you know, towards, uh, you know, dealing with the issue. Um they're more so dealing with policy of it, whereas now I'm involved with uh, the Thero Project, which is an organization that I work with, uh, along with Sean Stru. Um, and what we're doing is more so uh, grassroots in terms of really uh, reaching out to those people whose lives have been impacted by this and helping them to navigate and to understand, you know, this experience. And two is to educate um Community service. I mean, that's uh, community forums in terms of service uh, to educate people about this because we're we finding finding out that we need to educate the aid service organization community as well as the gay community because those are the two com- communities that uh, are really you know have people that are HIV positive a, a large population, but yet 
those that those communities are not really trying to rally around this issue. They're not talking about it. They don't want to talk about it because a lot of people feel, I guess, they're being responsible enough, and so they're they're not having that talk. But we're having to really, you know, um, reach out to those areas and really educate them about this issue and, and show them what's really going on because this is not really talked about so much in the media except to expose someone for transmitting. But, you know, we really try to get in there and really give people examples and show them what the laws are saying and how these things are really impacting people. Um, so reaching out to those people who've been affected and helping them uh, doing community forums and, you know, educating society. We're also do- getting documentation uh, from different counties and states that have had numbers of prosecutions or arrests in this situation. And, um, and so those are just some of the things that are areas that we're working in um, right now. And, um, and so I far, it's so good. I'm, I'm, together, no, it's, it's very important. I think that it's, so it's important work. Going. Go ahead. I just wanted to say, yeah, I just wanted to say that I thought that it was really important work what you guys are doing, and, and you know, um, and because I know you're going in front of well, is Congress correct that you were in front of that you were speaking and sharing your story oh, yeah. about it to change the laws? I think I saw Not a video. Congress, on the United Nations Aid United Nations. Uh, Program Coordinating Board. Yeah, uh, was fortunate enough to be able to go over uh, Nick Rhodes went as well as Sean Struth, and we were able to speak before that the body of delegates there um, in Geneva, Switzerland, um, and shared our stories for the first time. So um, that was very impactful and powerful, um, and we got a good response from that uh, by sharing. And then fortunately, I was able to go to Oslo, Norway for HIV uh, high-level policy consultation um, there in Oslo, Norway, and to share my story where the UA, UNA uh, AIDS director Michelle Sidibay, uh was very shocked by you know our our personal experiences, uh, and he you know voiced how he really wanted to you know try to do something to help stop this, um, but he was very shocked by it, and so so were other people. Other people are so shocked that this is happening in the U.S. I mean they're like wow. And when you tell them, you know, you have to register as a sex offender and, and, and so on and so forth, I mean, they just think that's just awful. Yeah. Um, well, I agree. I just, it, yeah, and, and so, so yeah. really so really quick, we are down to just about our last 15 minutes of the show, and I wanted to make sure that we had um, some of the guests who are uh, listening in had the opportunity, opportunity to call in. And if you'd like to uh, ask Robert a question, um, or you have a comment for Robert, please do so at 347-215-9442. Make sure that you hit option number one so that you are brought into uh, the queue. And we actually do have somebody on, on the line who would like to speak with you, Robert. So we're going to bring them on really quick. Um, area code 918, you are on the air with Robert. Hey, guys, it's Carrie. <laughs> oh, hey, Carrie. Hey, Carrie. <laughs> Hello, the chat room is getting heated. I figured I'd better call in. <laughs> um, I just have a comment, a comment and a question. My comment okay. is that I think we do need to figure out some way to get the sex offender name off of the label. You don't need to be labeled as a sex offender. I think it should be something else because in our nation or whatever you want to call it, sex offender is known as like child molesters. So that's just another label, another another stab on your back for like a man, like as for you, like a gay man or, and a man with HIV, that's two, and then a sex offender, that's terrible. And if you do happen to go back to jail and you're labeled a sex offender, they're going to want to beat the crap out of you because they're going to just automatically think you're a child molester. But as for the people that intentionally do give this to other people or do do it and don't tell people, then, yes, they need to be labeled something, but it needs to be labeled something else. What do you think about that? So, Gary, do you mind if we take your um, question off the air? Oh, I don't mind. Okay, thanks. Okay, Robert. Yes. 
So what do you think about um, Carrie's question about um, about the whole intentional being labeled something different than a sex offender? Well, honestly, I don't think honestly I don't think there should be a label. Um, I mean, this is not a criminal issue. This is more of a public health issue, and I think that if we want to label people sex offenders, then we need to you know people that are walking around with other STDs should be labeled, and we know that's not going to happen. You know, society is not going to allow themselves to be labeled sex offenders for having gonorrhea or or chlamydia or whatever. Um, I don't think there should be a label. However, as I said, it's not a criminal issue. This is more of a public health issue. But know that people who are HIV positive that may find themselves in loving relationships or, or on some level or another, they're not trying to infect other people. It is very difficult to disclose your status because society does not give us the liberty to do that. And what I mean is the stigma is so great. How could anyone feel comfortable with disclosing that information freely and comfortably and safe? Because you don't know what type of situation you're going to find yourself in, whether it be a violent situation or something that definitely could t- take your life out. And the stigma is so great that if we want people to disclose easily, then we need to start embracing the fact that HIV AIDS exists in this world, in this country, around us. We need to start acknowledging that and stop demonizing it because it's just like any other health disease out there that is that is treatable, that is manageable. People who are HIV positive that are having sex, they can have sex. They can do it healthy in a protective way and not be demonized for wanting to have sex with someone. Um, there are people out there who, who do embrace people who are HIV positive that don't have a problem with them being HIV positive and that will have sex with them. Uh, you can't deny a human being the right to have sex regardless of whatever state, health state they're in. Um, it's just not right. I mean, there are people walking around with other STDs that have not been treated, you know, and, and they won't so, get tested for anything. Right. So, I mean, you know. So I have a question, and it just occurred to me is, um, oh, God, what was I going to say? Oh, and it was a really good question, too. Damn this AIDS dementia. Oh, there it is. It it came back. Okay, it came back. Um, Oh, my God. Um, Do you think that these, the laws that are on the books for, um, you know, intentional, you know, all of these HIV laws that are on the books, do you think it's a it's a, a ploy to force people to come out about their status into almost, um, you, you know, and, and I, I hate to say this, but it, the only the the only the only analogy that I can come up with is when um, you know the Jews had to wear the Star of David, you know, and or or what what was the what was the book, The Scarlet Letter, when they found out that she was having an affair and she had to wear the big red A. Do you think that these laws are almost um a uh a, a way of of labeling people, of making sure and then that way the public knows to stay to stay away almost? I think these, I believe these laws were put in place as a prevention method or prevention measure, uh, which has not proven effective because all you're doing is locking up people. People are still being infected, and they're not really so much being infected by people who are HIV positive that know of their status that have took the proper steps to get treatment and to you know have better, safer sex. Uh, people that have not been tested, that are not aware of their status, that are infecting other people. And it's, these laws have been put in place for people to tell tell people who are HIV positive what they think we should do. They're telling us we should disclose, but they're not listening to us by us telling them, hey, this is, you know, 
what we think you should do to protect yourself from being infected. And so it's it's one-sided, you know, because society is people who are negative are telling people who are positive what they should do. You should disclose. You should tell. You should tell. That's what they always say. You should tell. Well, have you ever been HIV positive? Do you know how easy or how difficult that is to share? You don't know it unless you, you are there, unless you are HIV positive. HIV negative person cannot tell you anything. Just like a woman being pregnant, a man cannot tell a woman that, you know, about how to have a baby. He can't even be pregnant. Right. You know, it, you know it just baffles me how people are like, you should tell, you should tell. Well, do you know how difficult that is? Especially when people look at you differently, they judge you. I mean, I'm not saying that you should, should not disclose your status with a sexual partner. They should. But in the society that we live in, people, that's not our reality. It's yeah, not. It is. So I think we it need is. to recognize that and stop no, playing totally. stupid or trying to it and acknowledge it for what it really is. We don't want people telling us what to do with our sex lives, and we don't need government telling us what to do with it. You know, whether you're positive or negative, you, don't, you will not go for that. So, I mean, let's just stop with the nonsense and let's get real. You know, Robert, I totally agree with I totally agree with you. I remember um, I said this at the at the Positive Living Conference during your presentation that this is a reason, you know, if you're, like, thinking about coming out and being an activist, this is a reason to get behind, and everybody who's HIV positive should really be looking at this and should really be raising their voice louder about HIV criminalization <laughs> and the laws because they're one, raw, you know, one scorned lover from, from this happening to you, depending on what state you live in. So I think it's so important in the work that you all are doing in Bobbitt. Um, and I just think that you guys are just very brave to put yourselves out there like that and to do that because it, 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 I just can't imagine putting myself out there. So I applaud you guys. And I need people to know that just because you hear a story about someone being HIV positive and they probably didn't disclose their status to somebody, a lot of those situations, there is no transmission. There is none. The laws, their titles of their laws vary from state to state. Um, but just because they make it seem like just because a person knows of their status and they have sex with somebody, they, they call that knowingly transmitting when there actually is no transmission in, in that situation. I'm not saying that it may not happen. It, it can. But if a person is on treatment or if they use condoms, you know, you're not there. We don't know the details of that specific situation. The situations vary from, from person to person. Oh, it certainly so just, does because you've got, I mean, you, you go home with somebody and you're, and you're drunk, for example. Are you going to think, you know what, the, the first thing on my mind, if I'm like half, you know, six sheets to the wind, probably not going to disclose and I'm probably not going to ask for a condom because what we're there for is not to have a conversation. And the other person that's, that assumes that they're negative or whatever the case may be, they may have some other STDs, you know, they don't ask questions either. I mean, they're not saying, well, are you HIV positive? No one does that. But, yes, there should be that conversation. It needs to happen, but it's not happening. And that's the thing that I'm saying, people, let's wake up and let's just be honest about how we have sex. You know, let's just be honest about it. Uh, instead of it being all the responsibility on the person with HIV positive, people who are negative and you have to questions. If you're that concerned about your health, which you should be, you need to start talking. You need to embrace the, the issues and deal with them personally and with your partner or with anyone that you choose to engage in with sexually. You know, I've read many uh, comments that people have left, and I'm sure they're probably some comments now, you know, I just think they're awful because people are not educating themselves. If you take the time to educate yourself, you will see all sides of this issue. Yep, and right. that's where it needs to be, to see all sides of this issue and to address it properly. And I think that needs to happen more on the health realm, not in a criminal way, because the criminal way is not resolving anything. Behaviors are not being changed. You know, 
the, the the rate of HIV infections are not going down as a result of being people being prosecuted. They are not. So, so I I I, need, I have I have another question um, for you, Robert. Is do you think that these laws are deterring people from being tested? I do. I believe that. Uh, well, one, people just you know don't want to know, and then. Two, you know, they they are they do find out they do run the risk of being uh, uh, a risk. What if I you know say I'm just someone who didn't want to know, but yet you know I know I need to get tested or I should, and then you know I know they arrest people for this. And what if you had sex with ten people you know over a course of time, and one of those ten or two of those ten or three of those ten of people of the ten find out. Well, the only defense is you not knowing your status. But, you know, at the way these laws are going now and the way they're prosecuting people, how do they know when you did not know, you know, right. your status? That person, oh, well, you knew, you knew, you know, you, if people, I don't know, they're just so out of it, you know, they, they would assume that that person really did know their status because they, they know they're HIV positive even though they may have had a test, you know, a few days ago, a month ago, or whatever. Uh, but the laws don't care. They don't care. They're just trying to arrest. The prosecutors, they're trying to prosecute. They don't really care about the details, whether you used the condom, if you didn't use the condom. You know, it's all about the fact you did not disclose. There's incidents where people have used condoms, had an undetectable viral load, and still got prosecuted. They didn't transmit the virus or anything. They did not disclose, but yet they took the proper measures to protect not only themselves but the other person as well. And they still got prosecuted and still got, you know, years, you know, of sentencing and sex offender registration. You know, what type of sense is that? Yeah. Behind a disease. No, you're right. You know, let's just be real and educate ourselves and get the facts, people. Get the facts. Learn for yourself and stop going on what somebody else is saying and off the fear and ignorance of people who don't care. The people that make these laws, they don't care about preventing anything. You know, they're all trying to keep jobs and do what they think is best in the public safety, but no one knows best but you as a citizen in this country what's best for you. And it's time we pull together and, you know, and take charge to do those things that are right by us as citizens and not have laws that impact not only our own lives but other people, you know, for for the worst. You know, it's not – it's just not good policy. Wow. Well, I, I, I think that you're absolutely right. People need to get educated and, and, and you know, not be afraid especially afraid of, of all this, because we need to change this. It needs to be changed. So if you're living with HIV, you need to start speaking up. You need to get more involved in this. And where can people go to get the updated information on maybe their state, on, on the, the, the laws there? Well, one, uh, they could go to the Positive Justice Project. Uh, there's lots of information out there on their website. Um, I don't know their um, the website by heart, but just type in Positive Justice Project and you will stumble upon that information. I definitely encourage you to go to thecerroproject.org, which is my organization that I work with along with Sean Strew. That's the Cero, S-T-H-E, the Cero, S-E-R-O, project.org. And you will see our website there um, that we have information there. Um, And, again, feel free to email us. Project uh, at gmail.com, and you would get either myself or a message from Sean. Um, We'd be glad to share information with you with anyone um, and to do community forums in your area. Uh, So uh, we're out there, you know, reach out to us, um, and we'll be doing things um, in New York. We're having uh, a community forum um, co sponsoring with the Queerocracy as well as the Positive Justice Project. And that event is May 24th from 6 p.m. to 9 at the LGBT Center. Um, you can Google that and find that information. Um, of course, it'll also be on our website. You can like our, like our Facebook page, 
the uh, Sarah project. Um, and also there's going to be some forums in Miami as well as Tampa in June. June 5th, I think, is in Tampa and June 6th is in Florida. Thank you, Robert. Robert, I, I hate to do this too, but we are down to our last 20 seconds. <laughs> okay. So we no, want to thank you for... Yeah, we want to thank you for coming on, Robert, and, and sharing your story and talking about this important topic. And um, we hope you, we wish you do well, and, and you know, and, and thank you for all your work. Thank you, and thank you, guys, for what you're doing. Oh, we're glad to be here for you, Robert. Thank you so much. Have a good night. All right, good night, you all. Good night. And folks, thanks for joining us. Remember, more information on our guest, Robert Settle, go to thesarahproject.org. More information on Jeremy Dunn. Go to PositivelySpeaking.com. More information on myself and the show, you can go to PauseIM.com. Thanks all for tuning in. Join us next Sunday when we speak to Marvel and Brown, the author of The Naked Truth. Jeremy, have a great night. You too. Take care. Have a great week. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.